Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Uh, my name is Thomas Steininger. I welcome you to Radio Wolf, our international webcast for consciousness and culture. I'm happy to have with me David Nickel from California, from San Francisco, Berkeley. David, great to have you. Hi, Thomas. It's great to be here. Thank you. David, you are founder of the Subtle Activism Network and you wrote a book called Subtle Activism, The Inner Dimensions of Social and Planetary Transformation, which was the first comprehensive academic treatment of the topic. And you teach subtle activism at the California Institute of Integral Studies. I didn't know that you were an environmental lawyer in Australia uh, mm. before you moved to Berkeley, California. I had no idea. That's Long time ago. <laughs> Great. I mean, uh, I, I said it now in your introduction at least five times, uh, your thing is our activism. And the reason why I uh, wanted to talk to you next week, um, Elizabeth DeBold and myself uh, start uh, what we do every year, a 24-hour vigil with people uh, all around the uh, globe, uh, bringing them together to meditate together, to do rituals together, people from different parts, from the global south, from the east, from the west. And we do this as a global ritual and we see this as a kind of a subtle activism. And as I just told you before we started the broadcast, uh, but you knew, knew this already, that one of the big inspirations for us to do this was your work around subtle activism. So we thought, uh, Let's talk with David about subtle activism, what it is, and uh, what it can be. Mm -hmm. And why don't we start there? Uh, subtle yeah. activism sounds very mysterious. What is <laughs> this? Yeah, thanks, Thomas. Uh, well, it's interesting when you're just describing the vision of One World Bearing Witness and what, why I love to get involved in that project from the beginning is that it's very much... The, the, the vision that you just described <clears throat> is very much at the center of the inspiration that I had for developing this concept of, of subtle activism. And that was essentially this intuition that um, as we are at this point of evolution <clears throat> where this planetary consciousness, this re-enchanted, re integrated planetary consciousness is emerging that practices like a one world bearing witness, uh, a globe, global rituals uh, where we can experience together our unity, uh, not just think about it, talk about it, but really feel it on a deep level that that does something that, that has um, a spiritual significance for the collective that that is actually laying down a certain kind of of um, uh, in a commitment I think in the collective psyche to proceed towards um, this possibility of of a more um, you know unified world um, so so that's just to say it's a vision like that that was the inspiration and 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 broadly speaking you know I, how i define subtle activism is simply <clears throat> the use of consciousness-based practices like meditation or prayer or ritual 
uh, for the purposes of collective transformation. And the, um, in many ways in that respect, it's a, it's a pretty simple concept. The main contrast there of course is with the use of those sort of practices more for individual benefit, more for individual awakening and transformation, which is really how they have been used in the modern West for the most part uh, up to now. And so it's an encouragement to understand how we can apply those practices, not just for personal transformation, but for social transformation, collective transformation, and especially when we are leveraging the power of our collective coherent consciousness. That's a, an area I'm, I know you and I both share an interest there in the, <clears throat> the emergent healing capacities of a coherent group field that can bring through healing powers beyond the sum of the parts uh, and, and that the, the sense that that can affect change, not just at the individual level, but also seeding change in the collective. So, so this is the essential idea and it's the focus on practice as a form of action, practice as having actual effects in the world, uh, effects on collective consciousness, um, uh, you know, a, a subtle but I believe crucial form of action as part of a more holistic approach to social change. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And let me just uh, speak in a very personal way because um, we do this one world bearing witness the sixth time now. And just speaking for myself, it has changed my relationship to the world. Mm -hmm. And it really did on a subtle level uh, because I, I'm politically interested, socially interested since many years. And of course, I'm interested in what's happening in the US right now, what's happening in the global South right now. And this is all kind of uh, things that I'm occupied with since many years. But there's one thing to read about things in the newspaper or watch a TV documentation or, or a good documentary, whatever, or to be at the same time in the same space with someone from the Philippines, from South Africa, exactly. from California, from Guatemala, yeah. from Siberia, and experience uh, that we are um, witnessing to be together, one humanity belonging to this one earth, which is the, which is the title of this year. And it is something that uh, you can say, oh, what is this about? But it, it changes our relationship to our humanness. Yes. It's my understanding of what it means to be human, that I have a deep, uh, directly relationship uh, for people around the world, not as an abstract idea, but as a really relational field that is happening as we are talking. I mean, it's happening right now, just talking with you. In fact, having this interview with you in some way is a form of subtle activism just to allow to create this direct powerful relationships yeah and i think uh to counteract uh the uh, the dynamics of the systems of profit and the systems of abstract uh, uh bureaucratic uh domination let's call it the one thing that we have is human relationship and in that sense uh i find this a real form of activism. 
Absolutely. Um, there is research that the Institute of Noetic Sciences have done that speaks to this point very precisely, actually. Um, and if I remember it, uh, the, the essence of it is that <clears throat> when you look at what motivates people to take action, um, why do people invest in building wells for creating water in Africa, for instance? Why do people actually, what, what motivates people? And what I remember about the research is that they found that um, motivation through guilt is not very effective or long lasting. You know, um, um, motivation through experience tends to be what does it. So if someone, if you travel to Africa and you form a relationship, as you're saying, with uh, some people there, you actually, you know, you, it's a, you, you open your heart and you actually feel these people, then you, you come back com completely changed and you want to make an investment. Um, and it's a similar principle here where um, there's also, I think, a question of um, getting, you know, we're such a cognoscentric culture. Uh, we're so top heavy in terms of our, you know, living in our heads and being very skilled at uh, these arguments that happen at the cognitive level. <clears throat> and to make the shift where you actually experience the, the real heart communion with someone in the Philippines, with someone in Africa, with someone in uh, the Middle East and, and so on, um, that um, <clears throat> this, is, this is crucial. This is central to uh, creating a foundation for um, living from that understanding of our actual connection to each other and uh, the kinds of ideas, the kinds of actions, the kinds of policies that arise from that understanding, um, it changes everything. So it's, it's, you know, at, it's at the foundation um, of a real, a real activism. Well, you, you, you're saying it, uh, also the fact that um, also forms of activism, we usually have a very cognitive relationship to activism. Yeah. And uh, th there's also reason for that. I don't want to dismiss the cognitive side of yes. this. Mm -hmm. but what we are doing with our, our One World Daring Witness is also that we consciously uh, do this as a ritual. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also something uh, uh, that uh, I'll at least learn from you to really go into the significance of doing rituals together. Uh -huh. And that's something I think also that we have to learn and that we have to learn on a global scale because traditionally we, we are used to do rituals. Uh, I come from a, a Central European Catholic background. We had a lot of rituals. Right. Uh, even na nation states have their own rituals. I mean, the, the Americans and their relationship to the flag, that's a ritual relationship. And right. it's not only bad, they're, they're, they're powerful things and yeah. it's to acknowledge that ritual is part of the way how we re relate to each other and find new ways. How can we create global rituals that apply to our global humanness 
that we are in this way only discovering right now, because just 10 years ago, we had no chance to relate in this direct way. It was all very, very in indirect. So to become relational uh, and find new appropriate rituals mm -hmm. uh, creates also new forms of togetherness that I find is not just socially, it's spiritually, it's on a human level, deeply important, and I would guess transformative. And I would love to hear your thoughts on the necessity and the power of ritual in this. Yeah, well, again, it's where, it's where I feel such resonance with, yeah, you know, I think it's one well bearing witness vision. The, the, the need to be creative about new kinds of global rituals Yes, I think it's right at the center of, of what we're doing. And one of the ideas that I had around this was that um, one of the, the thinkers that I studied was uh, philosopher Richard Tarnas, um, who's based here in California. And um, he presented this framework of understanding what's happening in the world being one where... Um, as if the modern psyche was going through this uh, initiatory rite of passage uh, and that, that so that collectively uh, we were undergoing this very um, understandable sort of archetypal process of, of um, uh, you know, being separated from the sense of um, communion with life being more and more in this sort of isolated place, this sort of dismemberment phase. Um, um, and, uh, you know, most initiations have this sense of uh, encounter with death, with the possibility of destruction um, and the sense that you have to go through that portal um, to emerge on the you know, the other side as a, as a elder or as a mature person or as a shaman and so on. <clears throat> uh, but we're doing this together. Uh, we're doing this. Uh, so, so the interesting, one of the interesting things about um, initiations typically is that there's someone present who is an elder who's, who's been initiated, who holds the space, who is just, a point of reference for the person going through the initiation with the collective initiation going through no one person can do that because um, we're all going through it together it's too big um, but this is where i speculate that um, one of the roles that these global rituals can play is that in a sense it helps to steward the collective psyche through this initiation. It helps to create hold space, like the, the global field becomes, takes on, I believe, the, the role of that elder that is simply holding space that allows the initiatory process to happen, which can involve a descent, you know, it, it usually does. Uh, and can allow the collective psyche to gather the courage to face the descent and to go through it. Uh, so, um, and then there's something about the, the planetary fields that we create, they have encoded in them, I think, 
these seeds of this coming era like there's a there's an emergent consciousness that happens in those events <clears throat> that um contains a certain wisdom uh that we're all contributing to we're all creating together um it's a mysterious thing i think right um what what happens in these events but they it's real something some threads of awareness and presence are being created all around the world and that encoded in that field is this knowing of interconnected consciousness, this knowing of planetary unity, uh, and 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 so I think it 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 contains the wisdom. It can play this this role of the wise elder that's holding space. So, so that's part of what I see as the significance of it is that there's this profound process of initiation we're going through um, and there needs to be some fields that we create together on a global level that contain that wisdom, that presence, that holding that uh, allows the, the, the chaos and everything that to have a sort of it's a bit like a chrysalis, you know, you create the, the container that allows the meltdown to happen, but with enough trust, just enough trust <clears throat> that we can be connected to the forces of life that can work through that initiation and hopefully take us through to the, to the other side. To some degree, my experience is also, and this relates, but uh, what you're just describing, that doing this kind of rituals, these global rituals is a form of collective uh, space holding. Mm -hmm. There's something um, where we, because we are all embedded when we come and do this together. And usually there are a couple of thousand people who signed up and at a, at a time there's a couple of hundred people present. So we are together in this, but everyone is embedded in wherever they are. So I'm embedded in the environment here in Central Europe, in Germany, uh, you are embedded in, in California, someone else is embedded uh, in, in the global south, and all this is present. And we are here bearing witness to all of it, all of this together. We use um, a term from Bernie Klassmann uh, that basically is kind of a, a, a lead term for us, which is bearing witness. And with bearing witness, as Bernie Glassman uh, laid it out, we mean bearing witness to the different dimensions of our humanity that are, because you were talking about a, a passage and transition. I mean, it's, it's hard to deny that we as a globe are going to some kind of transition right now. Yeah. Whatever it is, but it's something, nobody will deny that. We can argue what it is. We can argue if it's something positive will come out or not but it's a transition and we are all in and we are all in the unknown and we can uh, together bear witness to the fact, just the fact that we can do this together on a global yeah. scale in, in real time uh, does something to us. It changes reality. We, we are not atomized. We are not kind of fragmented. There's some network of togetherness holding this together. Yeah. And also a big part of what we do, and I know a big part of your work also is meditation, mm -hmm. which is uh, whatever kind of is really uh, unraveling and disturbing. There is also a, a, a reality where a reality that is not touched touch by that, that can 
be with it, but it's not disturbed by this. It's, it's somehow held from a different dimension. And it's part of what we can do together to hold the meditation space and the turmoil of our reality right now at the same time together. And just the fact to be able to do this and not to be on each other's throat, for example, uh, is in fact more than a ritual. It's, uh, it's, it's a real social practice. Absolutely. Um, one of the key events that inspired me to go in the direction of subtle activism was a <clears throat> series of global meditations that I helped to organize in 2004 that was associated with the presidential campaign of Dennis Kucinich. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you know, listeners will remember that time, but Dennis Kucinich ran on a very radical, there was a radical worldview of interconnectedness that was underlying his campaign. And it, and it brought many spiritually minded people out of the woodwork. These were in the, the Bush years and, and, and there, it was a strong contrast with what was going on then. And um, it was uh, this, this uh, campaign that we did. It was the first time I had participated in a global meditation and there was something really very profound for me about this confluence of these different dimensions of meaning that happened in those events because you had the the depth of meditation um the um you know the profundity of meditation itself you had the global dimension because we had a we had a, a very strong global response. We had people from seventy different countries who participated in these events, and they wrote to us and said that we had this clear awareness of the global field, and we read out the names of all of the countries. And so, so having the global dimension and that that sense of your awareness expanding to connect with people in all these different places, the depth of meditation, and then the significance of the focus being on, you know, the US presidential race, which had that worldly power and significance. Uh, and those elements coming together, um, the, the, I've experienced a kind of explosion in my being of meaning. Um, and it was actually out of that, that I was one of the main things that got me on the path of doing subtle activism. So um, yes, there's something about, and, 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 the, and the global dimension, I don't know about you, but whenever I, I do an event, see, even, even when there are relatively few people um, doing a practice like this, like, you know, let's say, you know, a few hundred people is not that many in the whole scheme of things in, in on, on one level, but um, there's something about carrying the intention, holding the awareness of we are meeting together as a global community uh, for the purpose of bearing witness to the reality of all the dimensions that's happening on the earth, good and bad. Um, that it brings in a certain quality of presence, a certain kind of, of, of 
of energy that's far more significant than just the numbers, it seems. Uh, it's like we're all tapping in together to um, a certain kind of field that because of the intentionality we're bringing to it, it's unique, it's different. It's different than just meditating by yourself. Um, it's different even than just meditating in a big group in your own city. There's, there's, there's a new quality to it. And I often find it has a particular kind of freshness. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's something I think we're tapping into, which is, has the energy of the birth of something and the birth of the new era. And, and there's even despite all of the, you know, obvious uh, suffering and control and all the problems that are in the world, you bring a group of people together with this sort of focus and intentionality, and we can connect with an energy that is fresh, uh, that I think is of the future, and everyone can sense that. No, I very much agree. I would like to challenge us in this because, mm -hmm. because I agree so much with your experience. Yeah. The question comes up, and I'm sure uh, it also comes up with others, is this not just a good ex collective experience? Isn't this just for some form of collective narcissism? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, it's undeniable. It's a powerful experience to be together with hundreds of thousands of people around the globe and to, be, to hold yeah. this space. And it's, it's, it's personally deeply touching for all of us. But is it more than that? If I may also ask you ex mm. your expertise, your thinking, your research on this, is this more than just, hey, we had a great time with all yeah. these people around the globe and it was deeply touching my heart and it was deeply touching your heart. Yeah. Is it more than that? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. Um, and I, in, in, on some level, I think it's up to each of us to be sincere about how we engage with it to know the answer to that because i think it's definitely possible to engage in this sort of way it's like anything i think there's there's no practice there's no philosophy that can cannot be co-opted by the ego in a sense for kind of a, a more cheaper purpose um and and it, it can have its more exalted or or uh real uh, expression. Um, so on some level, I think it's a matter for each of us to um, be discerning about um, and, and sincere about what our motivations are and how we're holding it. Uh, and is this an avoidance of other kinds of actions or is it uh, a true sense of um, calling? Like this, Because I, I certainly believe that there are what I think this offers is that there, there, there are certain people I think who, who clearly are called to contribute in this kind of way, that it is a real contribution. Um, and in, what I, in, in some sense, what I, what I like about this, this possibility is that, um, you know, there are just different, different, types of people who are called to different types of actions. Um, some are more um, wired to engage in more confrontative, extroverted sort of actions and, and others uh, more have uh, certain kinds of a, a temperament, but also a, a, a skill in being able to um, 
contribute at this more subtle level, have a more sensitivity and they can bring a more healing capacity. They can bring that in service in this way. So um, in terms of, you know, sort of harder evidence about, you know, does this actually make a difference? Um, um, I always find this, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a tricky part of the conversation because um, I feel like I'm, I'm always dancing between um, um, wanting to have a, um, uh, have it be grounded in what we understand empirically and at the same time, not have it be um, dominated by a certain empiricism, which I think can be a, a mismatch for the art uh, of of this phenomenon, um, and so, um, but um, there, there's a way in which I, th I which I think that um, the the meaningfulness of engaging in this way becomes self evident when you're deeply immersed in it. Um, and on, on, on the deepest level for myself, I honestly feel like what it's good enough for me to, to, to know that when we engage together in this way, we're bringing through, um, we're seeding change at a deep level where we're bringing through a good energy. There was this quote by Hafiz that I used, um, um, oh, <laughs> I'm forgetting it right now. Some when something like when prayer happens, some somewhere something good happens. Um, it's like um, to engage in a too uh, positivistic mindset can be a problem. I think. <clears throat> Having said that, um, as you know, in my book, I did look at the research on on what's been uh, studied in terms of the effect of group meditation on um, social parameters. And um, at the end of the day, the research that the researchers associated with the uh, TM movement have done on this is quite convincing. You know, it is rigorous research. They've done a lot of it. They've done, they've, they've, found that basically when you get a large group of people together in meditation, um, doing TM practice in, in their studies, um, that there are these consistent effects on um, indicators of social harmony, increased social harmony in nearby groups. And um, they've done this research over decades. They've done it in many different places. It's been published in, you know, dozens of peer-reviewed papers. Um, and I think it has to, you have to give it its due. It's, it's, it's actual, it's real science. Um, one of the interesting studies that they did was they looked at um, a, a large group meditation. They looked at a number of people in the town uh, the, where the meditation was taking place who were not part of the meditation and they measured their um, physiology for 
uh, signs of stress and they measured their cortisol levels. Um, and what they found was that on days when the meditation group was, um, uh, the, was strongest or the, the largest, that these people who were not even part of the meditation, their cortisol levels uh, of, of excretion went down, which is a sign of, you know, less stress. Um, so they've done lots of, you know, in, in interesting uh, research like that, that backs up our intuitions on this. Um, and then of course, there's like a century and a half of parapsychology research, which uh, also shows a lot of interesting support for the possibility of non-local connections between people. Um, and um, so, you know, there, there is all of that research that's there. I, I find it depends on your temperament in terms of how much you, there are certain people who really like to go into that um, empirical side that to, to have the kind of left brain, rational side sort of taken care of uh, along with our intuitions. Um, I'm pro I probably fall a little bit more on the, the right brain side, but I, I like to know about that as well. In fact, I, I like both sides of your answer because there, there, there is this part where uh, relying just on empiricist materialist study and a scientific methodology is limiting something. It's right. like... Uh, you can ask the same question, is it valid to have a good friendship? Uh, right. And, and is, is having friends, uh, uh, developing friends, not, not so, just something narcissistic? And right. uh, you, you can make arguments uh, about it, but it, it, it's kind of a vague sphere also, because it can be. Uh, at the same time, I think it's also good to be in some way rigorous and also yes. to test oneself. Uh, yes. If, if there are also kind of... Uh, kind of uh, empiricist science that this is more than just uh, my inner experience. Yeah. But in the end, I think, uh, and you hit it in the very beginning of your answer, it's very much dependent on us what we make out of it. Right, right. And, and I, I can, out of a good friendship, to just use this example, I can make something that's very narcissistic, but a good friendship can be a powerful mean of transformation. In fact, right. uh, for community and for society. And that's just a fact. It depends where we go with it. Right. A couple of weeks ago, I had an interview also here in the radio with Gail Bradbrook, the co-founder of Extinction Rebellion. Mm -hmm. And she herself being, in fact, uh, impressive, it's a spiritual human being. I was very impressed by her. But she, she also had this hesitation about subtle activism. Because of course, Extinction Rebellion is about civil obedience, is about uh, really going out there, disturbing society. Uh, uh, she, she's right now organizing tech strike and uh, things like that, uh, very real things. But also she's not denying that this more subtle parts of um, activism are crucial because otherwise we are not able to do this with our hearts. Yeah, well, I would add to that as well. Um, a central part of what needs to happen in the world today is this: is the shift in consciousness. It's it's um, in the sense that 
um, if you look at what's being called the meta crisis, right, the these uh, multiple different interconnected dimensions of this global crisis that we're facing, <clears throat> and it's complicated, of course, in many ways, but really at the root of it, I think it's fair to say is this consciousness of separation uh, from each other, from the earth, from the cosmos. Um, and so um, we're not, I think this is a very crucial thing, simple and crucial is that we're not going to be able to just engineer our way out of the meta crisis while staying in the default consciousness of separation. And yet that is still what most of our society is trying to do uh is this still there's this assumption i think that our in, our intelligence that we can you know create some sort of technology that will um get us out of it without having necessarily to to create that shift um and um it's not necessarily that I see the things that these realms as totally distinct, you know, the consciousness shift also um, can be brought about by different uh, creative technologies and vice versa. As we shift in consciousness, we can bring through different technologies. But I think the crucial point is it's foundational to what needs to happen. You know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a holistic solution pattern to the meta crisis is the shift in consciousness where we realize our interconnection and so to 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 see that this is this is not just um an, a nice new age idea this is not just a narcissistic thing that a few people can do um this is actually really powerful and central to what needs to happen and the that if if that is recognized and uh thereby um, allowing that that idea and that practice to become more and more into the the center of culture where that shift can happen um it's a it's a it's a very uh potent central pillar of what needs to take place in this in this transition um so you know there's often i think this tension between philosophies that have arisen out of a more materialistic sort of worldview um, and others that have come from a more spiritual worldview um, about what's real action. Um, and um, I don't think that they're ultimately, I th you know, that, that it's such a harsh dichotomy between one or the other. Um, but I do challenge this notion that um, this sort of action is is um, just ephemeral or peripheral, or you know, it's it's it's. I really think it's it's the most powerful thing we can do. That if as if we make that shift, that it's at the center of uh, the change that that needs to happen and is happening on the planet. In fact, I think you hit a very central point here, because if you just take into consideration that a lot of the meta crisis that we are facing right now uh, is rooted in a technological relationship to reality, right? Then uh, 
if this is the case, and I think there's strong argument that one can say this, that our technological relationship of our modernist Western uh, enlightened culture is at the root of many of the things that are going wrong right now. If that's the case, uh, the relationship that we have to reality to each other is crucial. It's not peripheral. So this comes back also to a ritual like one world bearing witness being not just a technology of doing something, but having a different relationship to each other that has a different logic, the logic of ritual, the logic of connection, and not the consciousness of uh, the technology of something. Yeah. And to mm -hmm. practice this together mm -hmm. changes the way we perceive reality and how we act in reality. And I think you can make a strong argument that this is crucial for our collective response as society to find solutions to the meta crisis. So to practice this together on a global scale is central to the change that we need. Absolutely. Um, and one of the features of our work uh, in recent years has been emphasizing this connection with the with each other, but also with the earth uh, and <clears throat> building into these meditations and rituals uh you know these elements where that experience that becomes uh at the forefront of our awareness that that it's it's it can be a profound shift when we and and, and what i found is it's very significant to do this together as a group because often in in modern societies uh a lot of people, of course, naturally have a profound connection with with nature, but it's almost like you have to have it in private. Like you you steal away to the forest and ah, oh, isn't this so beautiful? But if uh, some strangers come walking by, you kind of pull it in. <laughs> like if you if you're having a deep moment of loving connection with a tree or something like that, you know you don't want to seem weird. Um, um, but when we together um, open our awareness, uh, offer our shared love, say, to the forest, uh, um, to the rivers, and, and so on, it, it creates this, it does something, it creates a bond, uh, and it's between us as a social group, as a collective group, and that so it's it's laying down this track it's, it's sort of like a template for um a cultural shift where we can together actually remember that that we do know it's not illogical that we are connected to the natural world but to feel it to give ourselves permission to actually experience that shift together um well that kind of shift I think is very central to specifically the, you know, the environmental movement um, where if um, that kind of experience is um, uh, shared by more and more people, again, the power of the motivation that that brings to initiate changes in how we relate to the earth which we all know we need but again if it comes just from a um a technical perspective or 
or a top-down guilt-ridden perspective, that's not the that's not where the power I think is going to be in terms of the changes that we need to make. Again, I very much agree, and I I want to uh, point out one specific aspects that I find very fascinating and touching, particularly related to a global ritual like One World Bearing Witness. Because one of my experiences that it changed dramatically my direct relationship to Earth. Because mm -hmm. we all, um, I guess, we all have kind of uh, this relationship and we go into nature and there's a tree and there's a forest and there's a, a creek and there's a mountain. But there's something that Earth as such uh, quite often stays abstract. Yeah. But having, and I experienced this again and again, having people around the globe being together, being aware of Earth right now as we are together, and being aware that we are sitting on different spots of this ball called Earth. There's a central relationship to the wholeness of Earth in its aliveness, in her aliveness that changed at least my, my relationship to her. Yeah. It's, not an, it's not an idea Earth because yeah. the, the, this, this consciousness points around her and we're together in uh, being with our experience of Earth. Uh, the global Earth experience becomes something uh, that penetrated me in a way it, didn't, it has not penetrated me otherwise. And just for this, this is a powerful thing to do together because it changes our relationship as a human race uh, yeah. to earth and being on earth and with earth. I know exactly what you mean. I've, I've, I've had similar experiences like that. And um, one of the practices that has emerged for me in the last couple of years that came sort of spontaneously was the um, more and more I've been <laughs> developing relationship with nature as my teacher and um, was, would go to the forest and sit by a tree in meditation. <clears throat> and uh, there's a, a common practice in indigenous traditions where you, you know, you take something as an offering, right. Uh, to develop your relationship. Um, it, it could be some piece of food or something like that. And I didn't have anything with me. And I had this just impulse to offer to the tree this um, essence of uh, we, we had done a group meditation in, in this group I was running where we created together this flame of truth, uh, the, 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 the love of truth that each, each one of us had, we brought together and created this beautiful flame of truth. And it just came to, well, I'll offer that to the tree. And so I gave that to the tree and, and then, I had this experience. It was like something left me, which I had never experienced, but some, some ordinary veil or like separating part of my consciousness uh, just dissolved, just, just dropped away. And then I, I felt more than I ever had just this sudden simple unity with the tree. It was just, we were friends. Uh, it was just this one, this end, and there was something about that act, um, and 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 there, there, there's something about not it just being me, but it's the group that is involved. It's not just my mind and, and trying to. It, it's like there's something about doing it with the group, um, 
that is is significant and and i and i do think that it relates to like in indigenous cultures you had a worldview in the culture that was constantly supporting people to live in that reality where you're interconnected with with all of nature you're constantly getting reflected back by everyone around you and the rituals that they did that this is reality and 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 so you you can live together in that experience of of knowing nature whereas in our modern culture of course you there's no support for that or you're seen as even the, even if intellectually there's an understanding of that to actually live the communion with nature is not socially supported it's seen as somehow you're regressing to some magical sort of way of being or something like that but that's why i think these sort of practices provide that again cultural space cultural support and permission to re-enter into that knowing which is um natural and real and beautiful and and uh important for where we need to go David, we are at the end of our time here. Yeah. Uh, just again, uh, thank you so much for inspiring us to start also uh, One World Bearing Witness. For everyone who wants to join us, we are doing this on the 5th and 6th of December, 24 hours online. You can uh, go to our website, oneworldindialogue.com and find there One World Bearing Witness. And um, David, uh, uh, yeah, again, Thank you so much for the inspiration and also thank you for your research work in this kind of work. Uh, I think it's important and I very much enjoyed talking with you about this. You too, Thomas. It's a great pleasure as always to connect with you and I love what you guys are doing with One World Bearing Witness. Uh, so thank you so much. Thank you.